Good morning. How's everyone doing? Welcome to Resurrection Church. Good morning, everyone watching online. If you want, say hello. Wonderful worship as usual. That that one song we sing towards the end was another song that our brother Nick wrote. So he's pretty gifted and talented. So we're very appreciative and very uh, very good song. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter six. We're continuing our study in the book of Hebrews. And yes, we got past the difficult passage last week, so <laughs> we're pressing on to maturity, right? <laughs> Hebrews six. If you remember. The writer of Hebrews, he is writing, uh, it's actually more like a sermon, but he's encouraging a house church, uh, probably maybe the size of our church, maybe smaller, who knows. A house church made it into the Bible, so that's good, right? He's encouraging them because they have, they have, uh, they have followed Christ, and now they're, they're facing challenges and difficulties with their faith. And they're considering other options, and he's basically saying Jesus is the best of any other option that you can have. It's Jesus and no one else. It's Jesus takes the burdens, you know? And so he says, Jesus is better than the, the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He brings you into the, into the kingdom of heaven. He's better than, he's of a better priesthood than Aaron. He's of a priesthood of Melchizedek. But, and what he's doing here in this section is he is, encouraging them to press on to maturity. I want you to go to, first of all, to chapter 5, just to, by way of introduction. Uh, chapter 5, he says in verse 11, Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull or sluggish or lazy of hearing. This is beginning his section. He was referring to Melchizedek. He said, I'm going to talk to you guys about Melchizedek, but I've got to take a pause here and address something here. He says, for below verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So then he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, therefore, uh, let's press on to maturity. This is his thrust. He's like, listen, we need to press on to maturity. Right? That's, that's his major thrust here. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of, of teachings about washings and laying out of hands of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. We're going to press on the maturity. But then he pauses, and this is what we looked up last week, was there are some who can't even press on the maturity because they're not even truly saved. Now he gave us some scary verses. I don't know about you, but you, there's verses that are like, whoa, am I... Am I of those who have been enlightened and tasted and have partakers and have experienced the powers of the... Have, am I one of those, right? He's like, he's, he realizes he shot the, across the bow, the warning shot, you know. And I don't know about you, but verses like that get me scared, you know. Am I truly one, am I truly, am I one of the, you know, am I, am I with them? Am I, if I wandered away, you know. And so what he's going to do now, he realizes that, he just gave some difficult, a difficult passage. Then now in the new section, he's going to now bring encouragement. He, he says, you know, uh, in verse nine. This is we're going to start verse nine. But we are convinced. We are convinced about you, beloved, of, of better things. I, I just warned you about those. He's 
you know, but not you. Those others who who have tasted, they have experienced it, they have they have been around the things of God. And if you missed the sermon last week, go listen to it. You'll you'll we're very detailed, very clear. But these people never really entered in. Now some who are really saved struggle because they think, well, maybe I'm one of them. So he's going to give a little bit of encouragement. I'm convinced, he said, beloved, of things that are better, the things that belong to salvation. Let me encourage you. Um, uh, For God is not unrighteous so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and continuing to minister to the saints. What he's going to do, he's going to remind them or show them really their evidence is that, we're, that they are actually saved. He's going to just point out, here's the proof that you really are alive in Christ, that you're really born again, that you're really saved. And then he's going to say, now I'm going to give you some advanced teaching of helping you press on to that maturity, because ultimately that's the goal, is maturity. He's going to end it with example of Abraham at the end of the chapter. We're not going to get that far, I don't think. That's the goal. He's, he's, let's press on to maturity. You're drinking milk before? Let's press on to maturity. So let's look at this. What are some of the things that accompany salvation? What are the things that are evidence? How do I know? If I've tasted the good word, I've, I've drawn this thing, but how do I really know? He says, listen, we are convinced about you, beloved. But this is the first time he uses the word beloved. He was, he's very tender here. He's, not, he, he's, he's there to, to encourage you. We're convinced to you, of, about you, beloved, of things that are better. Things that belong to salvation, which means that the things I just talked about in verses 4 through 8 didn't belong to salvation. These things I'm talking about actually do are evidence in salvation. Better things than what? Well, better things than really sipping milk, right? Better things than, than merely tasting the heavenly gift. Better things than, than just merely being enlightened. Better things than merely partaking of the Holy Spirit or of, of, of encountering the powers of the age of God. Better than falling away. Better things than producing thorns and thistles. I am convinced of better things. Let me remind you. Now, what about you? This happens to me. As I self-reflect, and I think, well, am I really, you know, like, do I really? And so you start looking inward. And he goes, you need somebody to, tell, to point you to things that, that are actually going on in your life that are evidence that you are truly a child of God. And that's what he's doing. And sometimes you need that, you know? You need the reminder, because sometimes you have blind spots. Sometimes all you see is all the negative stuff that you've done and all this and all the past. And all, you don't see what God has done in your life. You're like, whoa. You know? So that's what he's doing. Things that accompany salvation, things that belong to salvation. There are things that happen when somebody is saved that go with salvation, right? Um, salvation is never alone, right? When somebody's truly born again, other things happen, right? Good things happen, right? Um, we are saved by grace alone, right? Grace through faith. But that grace also leads us to good things, right? Good works, fruit, um, God produces new things in the believer's life. I'm convinced, he says, that there are things that belong to salvation, though we are speaking this way. Now, what are some of those things? First of all, he says, God sees your work. Look at verse 10. First, 
For, for God is not unrighteous or unjust so as to forget your work. He's not unrighteous. He's not crooked. He's not deceptive as to do you wrong considering the work that you're doing for him. He's not unjust as to forget or means to neglect. Uh, the Greek word means to, or to care nothing about. To, um, to be attent- inattentive to. He's not unjust as to not even pay attention to what you're doing. He's not unjust as to overlook or forget or not care about what you're doing or what you have done. God remembers everything that you have done for Him. Everything you've done for Him and in His name, He's remember. He remember. Some may have not noticed what you have done for Him, but God noticed Some may not appreciate what you've done for the Lord, but God appreciates. There are things that you have done for the Lord that nobody else saw. There wasn't a big, there wasn't a camera crew, there wasn't a live stream, there wasn't a whole lot of bunch of applause, and like, look at me, I'm selling all these books, I got this conference. No, you did something so private for the Lord that only Jesus himself saw what you did, and he appreciates it, and you got his applause. He stood up and said, that's my servant there. God is not unrighteous as to forget what you have done in His name. He sees it. He sees your heart. He sees your desire. He sees your work as unto the Lord. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the Lord, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro all over the earth to look for those who are, He may strongly support, whose heart is completely His. And the writer here is encouraging, You guys, God sees your work. It's important to Him. It doesn't go without his notice. Here's Jesus with his, with his disciples at the temple. And there's a chest where people would go and pour their money into. And all the rich Pharisees and all the religious people and all the well-to-do people came in and just very publicly poured it into this. And some churches have it. It's like a Jewish chest, you know. We're not into that here. But that's what they did. And they did it. And here Jesus... Okay, it's all commotion. People are giving all of me. And here's this, this, this little old lady who's got, who's got nothing. She's got a, like a, a, a copper shaving that was like worth like a penny, not even a penny. And that's all she had. And she comes, no signs, no applause, no Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, followers to say, hey, you go, you gave a lot. No one noticed her but Jesus. You see that woman? Who? The one that's over... Yeah, what about her? She, she gave more. And she gave everything she had. That did not escape Christ's notice. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. I'm a pastor, right? What does a pastor want? He wants a big church so that everyone comes to his church and... I'm not saying, I'm saying is that that's the, the temptation is, well, well, God must not be in your church because you're so small. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Okay, we have more than twelve. <laughs> we're, we're in that category, you know. And you see God blessing other people, other ministries, God blessing. And you're like, is God even in what I'm doing? And God says, I see what you've done. I see it. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think no one notices. It's easy to to evaluate your success by what God does in other people's lives. It's easy to compare, right? 
That's all we do is we constantly compare. But God is not unjust or unrighteous as to forget your work for him. I imagine when we get to heaven, man, he's going to show us things that we did that we forgot. He says, I didn't forget when you encouraged that person. When you came and, and, you, did, and you did little things that no one else saw, but it was for me. I, I saw that. Let us work as unto the Lord, right? There's a man named Cornelius who is uh, in Acts chapter 10 who was the first Gentile convert. He lived in Caesarea, which we're going to go see Caesarea when you go to Israel. And an angel came to Cornelius and say, say, Cornelius, your alms and your prayers have been heard from God. And Peter is sent to share the gospel and Cornelius and his buddies received the, he served the Lord and God saw that. True salvation doesn't travel alone. There's things that belongs to it. And that's one of them is work. Work not for salvation, but work from salvation. Work that may not get people's attention, may not get the 20 minutes of fame that happens. Work that God remembers, that God appreciates, that produces, well, work of salvation that produces a heart to serve him. That's why Jesus says, let your light so shine before men in such a way that your works, let me read it. Let your light so shine. I had coffee this morning, but my mouth is not listening to my brain. So, you know, it's kind of a disconnect. So let me slow down. Let me slow down, okay? I know I talk too fast sometimes. Okay, now breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. Sometimes it's not the things you say verbally, it's just the things how you, what you do and how you do it. And people see that. And by the way, Jesus says you are the light of the world. You can't help but be, you can't, I mean, it's just an obvious thing, right? If you're living in the world, you are an obvious thing. You stand out. Remember, I was in college. I lived in an apartment. All, the, all my roommates or all my people, they're all students, and they all, they partied. I didn't. I wasn't really a mature believer. I was, but I was interested in the things of the Lord. And they were, you know, they, they did that. That was their whole lifestyle. You know, come on, you know, the whole thing, right? And, you know, they would throw big parties, and I'm sitting there reading my Bible, you know, with like some, you know. But, I, but, but that, was, that was just, I was just, a, you know, and that's not to put praise on me. It's just more of, they said one time, one of the, they said, hey, John, you're a light to us. That was his words. He didn't know scripture. He goes, you're a light to us. Don't change. Like, don't give into what we're trying to do here. We need you to stay the same. I didn't have to tell him, hey, I wasn't obnoxious to say, hey, I'm a Christian, you guys are sinners, I'm like you. No, it was just like, hey, you know, there's something different about you, and please don't change. Because though we're doing this stuff, we, we, you're, you're an example to us. And I wasn't even, I didn't, wasn't like broadcasting. Like, I, didn't, I, know, I was shy. Just, but but God used it. God is not unrighteous as to forget 
your work. God puts the desire in our hearts to serve Him, doesn't He, right? You got saved, there's a desire. I want to serve the Lord. I know what that looks like. I want to serve the Lord. That's evidence of salvation. There's a change in your heart. Okay, you know, it's not all complete, you know, where everything, you just let us start it, but there's this, wait, that wasn't there before. There was, there's, there's a desire for Him, right? True believers have a desire to serve Him. True believers have a desire to bring Him glory. This is one of the evidences. He also says, <clears throat> well, he says, for God is not unrighteous so as to forget your, your work and, secondly, your love. God sees your love. God sees your work. Also, God sees your love. The, the word love here is agape, which we always, we, we, a lot of us, it means a warm quality of love, of interest in another. It is to have a high regard of affection and concern. Before we came to Christ, all we had was love for ourselves. You know, we just had love for ourselves. Um, but he says, I see your, your work and I also see your love. God says, I see your love that you have towards him, towards his name. You want to honor him. You want to love him. You have this, this thump, something that he has put in your heart. Paul says that the Holy Spirit, he says, the love of God, Romans 5.5, 5, that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in your heart. It's his love in your heart. It's not you trying to come up with love. I don't know if I have enough love, love to love that person, you know. No, because the love you have is foreign to you, and it's his love in your heart. So what, you, what he's saying to you is now, release that love I put into your heart. God is not unrighteous so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name. Love of God motivates the true believer. Love of God motivates... Uh, uh, we do everything we do is unto the Lord because we love God. That's our motivation. When you serve, the most the most important thing is not necessarily your skill set, but the motivation of love that God is glorified. Natural love is, is very selfish and the love of God is very selfless, isn't it? It's very others-oriented. It's very... You know, I, th- I think... and I, I'll, I'll, I'll hold that point for the next part of the verse because there's a point I want to make in a second here. But do you have the evidence? Do you see that? That love in your heart? Do you... Do you but other people say, hey, you know, I testify that, that God has done something in your life. You may be blind to it, but would, you, would, would they say, I, I see that. Is there an increased desire to serve him and to love him more? Jesus says, the new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. You want to know of the sign of a mature believer? There's love there. 
A sign of a mature church is there's love there. Right? I love how God has brought together mature people, mature believers. And we have opportunity to love one another and to serve one another and to encourage one another. That's good. Praise the Lord. That's His doing, right? Love that is in His name is love that is also demonstrated to others. So it's, yeah, there's love for God. I worship God, I love God. But then that love for God is also love demonstrating to others. Go to Matthew 25, famous verse. Matthew 25. I love this and I... I'm challenged by it, but I also am encouraged by it. Matthew 25, verse uh, 34. I'll go to verse 31. Let's start there. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I want to be on his right, okay? Just remember that. I want to be on his right. Then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to him, them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. God is not unrighteous or unjust as to forget your work and to forget your love towards my name as expressed in your love towards others in need. When you express love as Christians, as we do, we're, we're meant to be ones who are the ones who, who, who will take in what no one takes in, who will give what no one else will give, who will express a gratitude for Christ that we love that person as if it's Jesus. And there are times when you've done things for the Lord and you're not realizing it, you're doing it as into Christ, and He has not forgotten about that. The love we demonstrate to others is love towards God in His name. I wonder sometimes when people, when God puts people in my path, you know, that are in need, I wonder, is that... Is that an angel in disguise? You know? You never know. And yeah, I, just, I don't always take every opportunity. There's times where I miss it, right? But, there, but there's times you wonder, okay, this is a God thing here. But let it be just that I, that I serve 
that, that my love that, that, that God has put in my heart, it's a godly, divine love that's it's from Him. It's the fruit of the Spirit that He has produced. It's not me producing love, it's Him. Let me express it in His name. And let me love people graciously and generously without judgment, without, with, with just as, as if it was Christ Himself. God says, God sees that. He's not unrighteous as to forget that. You want proof of salvation? Is there love in that person? Or is it just duties and laws and obligations and lists? Of, is there love? Is there something that God has birthed in your heart? That's evidence. And he says, let me encourage you with that. God is not unrighteous to us to forget your work of love, of work and love which you have shown. I hope I get past verse ten, okay? <laughs> I was first planning, I was like verse twenty, but then as I'm looking, there's no way. How about verse twelve? So I'm hoping to get to verse twelve, okay? You guys with me? Yes. So God sees your work. God sees your love. God also thirdly sees your service. Now this is all integrated with the other points, but there's something I want to point out to you here as well. God sees your your um, your service and having ministered, this is like these points are related. So, and I'm not really a point person. I'm more of just explaining person. So, just bear with me on that. But do you get the point? The idea is there's 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 work, there's love, there's service. They're all integrated. But he says this that you have shown towards in having ministered and continuing to minister to the what to the saints. Right? He says God sees that. Now the word minister, it's, it's, that it's, a, um, it's the word de- diakono, which we get the word deacon from. We have a deacon here in the house, but all of us are called to serve. It means to serve. It means to render, uh, to be, a, 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 it's, it speaks of attendant who d- desires to attend to the needs and of others. It means to meet an immediate need. There's a service oriented. There's, what can I do to help? And having ministered, they did this in the past. He reminds them, even in chapter 10, he says, you guys, go to chapter 10. I know this is um, chapter 10. Look at what he says here. Verse 32. You guys still with me? All right, all right. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and afflictions, and partly by became sharers with those who were so treated. You stood with them. You participated. You became sharers with those who were treated. And you also showed sympathy for the prisoners, accepted with joy the seizure of your possessions, knowing that you have... You, you had that mindset. And so he goes back to, go back to uh, chapter 6. He goes, in having ministered, you did that in the past, and guess what? You still are doing it now. In having ministered and in continuing to minister to the saints. First, there's a past tense. You have ministered. Then there's an actively present tense. You are ministering. You're rendering service. You're helping. You're, 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 it's, and even of things that are menial. Like, okay, as a pastor, my graduation is becoming more of a foot washer and a guy who takes out the trash, guy who sweeps. That's Okay, so think about this. So a lot of people go into ministry and think, well, I've become, and I've become higher, and now, now I'll kiss my ring. You know, I'm in charge. You know, that's the opposite of Christ. Christ is like, no, wait. 
you're a servant of servants. That's the mindset. Now, obviously, I can't do it all physically. So, yes, you have a team of people, and you have, but that's the heart. That's the heart of maturity. And if you're going to serve others, it means you have to be aware of their needs. Now, it doesn't mean you don't neglect your. Obviously, you, you know, there are, you have to obviously address your needs as well. But you know, the the mindset is, how can I serve? Right. Looking for ways to be an encouragement to others. And yes, there are, again, there are times, yes, you definitely need, it doesn't mean that you don't receive, but is there still that, there's still that heart, right? When God saves you, he transforms you from being very self-absorbed to being others-oriented, right? Now, maturity, and then when you're young, you might still be stuck in some of these self-absorbed, but you grow in the maturity, right? You become more and more Others, true believers follow Christ in serving others. There's also, I think, here's, and this is my, this is a commentary, okay? Christ saved us. What's the word I would? True church and true people of God are those who are seeking to serve others, right? A false church, a false Christian are seeking the church to serve them. A true church is made up of people who are seeking to serve others. It's a mentality. A false church seeks for the church to serve them. Well, let's just, let's just pause there for a second, okay? This is American mentality. Maybe it's in other countries too, but I'm just, American, what do we do? Not you guys, obviously. I didn't get anything out of that church. I didn't get anything out of that sermon. All that sermon series, I got, got nothing out of it. I went to this class. Got, it was all this, this cafeteria style of going to church. Have it your way. Oh, you don't like their worship style? We'll go to this church. We've got five different... We've got jazz worship. We've got hard rock worship. We have gospel worship. We've got... Right? Well, impress me, Pastor. That kind of thing. That mentality is so contrary to Scripture. You don't come to church to be served. Now, yes, you're going to receive the, the blessings of the Word of God. Even, the point there is, it's not about you. I think in America, we've made it all about you, right? We're going to give you... We're going to put a class out for you for people over 50, born in August, who like to play, you know, whatever, this thing, and or have a ministry toward this, and all this kind of stuff, you know, and that's, and that's not, you know, but the whole thing is now we're catering to you, 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 and it's less about Christ, it's more about you. So I didn't get anything out of it. It's never about you. It's, it's about Christ, Right? Again, it doesn't mean you don't receive. You know, yes, you want to be taught the word of God. Let's, let's just let's you know. You want to serve. You want to, but you know. But the mentality is if, well, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this from this person. I'm going to get that from that church. I'm going to go that. I'm going to put together, and then you're scattered, and you have you're like all over the place. And the mentality is all wrong. Maturity says wherever God leads me to go, 
if I get fed, I have opportunities, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love the people, and I'm going to realize it's not, it's about Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Your biggest need that you have is salvation. So yes, if you want to come for your need, your biggest need is to be saved, right? Your biggest need is to be disciple. Your biggest need is to grow in maturity of Christ. And what that looks like, not to fulfill your list of what you think you need and want. God wants us to raise us up and be mature, reproductive Christians that are, that, that the love, and I love our, what God's doing in our, in our midst is, there's love here. I'm telling you, there's a genuine love and, and consideration for who God has brought. And I think it's beautiful. That's like, I couldn't have invented a program to make that happen. Now you go do this and you go, I mean, I've, I know guys who have started churches and they, they wanted to make it a multi-ethnic church, you know, purposely. But God wasn't into that. He was, let me do that part of work. Let me put that together and let me craft that because he is, he can do it way better than we can, Right? Amen? So I, he says, God is not unrighteous as to forget your work for him. Your work, your love, and your service. These are things, these are evidences that God is working in your lives. Do you see those evidences? Now don't second guess. Sometimes things come to your mind you're like, well, that doesn't really count. No, no, no. If there's something that God has produced in your heart, it's like, that's from them. That's good, Right? Now what he's going to do now is going to shift and say, now let me encourage you some more towards maturity. Those things are happening in your hearts, in your midst. Don't forget, you guys loved and served and worked. Let's, let me comfort you. Guys are, you guys are on that path. Now let's, now let's press on to maturity. Look what he says here. And I don't think I'm going to finish all of it, but guess what? Verse 11. I just, uh, verse 11 is... Uh, how are we going to fist Hebrews before Jesus comes back if I'm going one word at a time? <laughs> we desire, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. I, God sees your diligence as well. The same, the same diligence that you had in serving one another, in serving the Lord, ministering one another, that same eagerness that you've had, oh, that's evidence too, is eagerness to serve and to love and to minister, right? That same, he goes, I want you to take that, that eager, eagerness, which of course is, is that you're, you know, there's this, it's a self-explanatory, but this haste, this word that means to be excited and to have fervor, uh, to be diligent. He goes, I want to see that now in application towards you being confident in your salvation, your assurance of hope, now, oh boy, this is moving on to, to maturity, right? The assurance of hope, the assurance of salvation, the assurance of, of the hope of Christ, the assurance that we have, the confidence that we have in Christ. Now this, I'll be honest, is a difficult place for me. Now I have assurance, right? First of all, there's assurance of there's assurance of salvation there's, there's eternal security right those are two different things eternal security is based on fact christ says 
Father and me have you in, in, in our hands, and no one's going to get through to you, right? No one's going to take you. No one's going to snatch you out, right? The, the work that God has started, he will finish. There, there's, there are certain facts, right? Those whom he has called, he has predestined, he has justified, all the way to glorified, Romans 8, right? You're secure, right? That's security, and we can go all and teach a whole thing on that, but you guys know that. Security in Christ, we are secure. If you don't know you're secured in Christ, you'll never have assurance. Assur- security is the facts. Assurance is your confidence in the facts. That this won't change. Christ is like, this is settled. But assurance is more of how you're feeling about those facts at the time, right? And there are things that mess with that, right? And sometimes it could be maybe not understanding the nature of salvation, right? If you think salvation is work, works, you're good enough, you climb that ladder. If, you're found, if you think salvation is based on you climbing that ladder, of course, you'll always question your salvation because you're looking at your work, not his work. Amen? So sometimes if you don't have the correct understanding of salvation, that with Jesus Christ, with, with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of them involved in our salvation. I mean, the Father with the whole plan of it, the, the Son carrying it out, and the Holy Spirit who's indwelling your heart, who's also a, who has also baptized you into the church, into the body of Christ, who's also sealed you. We're sealed, as Ephesians says, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you're talking the whole eternity involved here. If you don't know that, then you won't be secure or assured. And for me, I didn't grow until I had understanding of security. But I still, I'm telling you, there are times when I get sidetracked and I look at what I've done. I looked at my sin. I look at my inability to, well, Lord, you've saved me, but let me earn that. Let me add to it. I mean, is that anybody here besides me? Boy, that's hard, isn't it, right? Because that's pride that wants to say, God, I want to contribute. And God says, no, it's all me. And so by faith, I have to trust when God says, Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. Like, all of our sins, you mean that one? I mean, all of that. How could God, and it's pride that says, I don't think God could forgive me about this. So, he says, I want you to be diligent to realize, just as you were diligent in serving and loving, be diligent to realize that full assurance of hope, that confidence, the word uh, assurance means confident, it means to be to be. Um, fully assured and confident um, to be um, to have full conviction and understanding. This transition to maturity, to full assurance, that takes eagerness, doesn't it? That takes when I'm being tempted to look at my past and to doubt because of what I've done, it says, no, but by faith, I'm going to choose to believe and rest in the truth of, 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 of the gospel, Right? That's a, that's a, the diligent part, that, that takes, that takes effort to say, you know, when the enemy comes at me, like all this negative accusatory stuff, the, 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 the diligence part is saying, I'm not going to give into my feelings, though, yes, though it's all, yes, yes, but it's also been washed in the blood of Jesus. It's also been forgiven. 
God has started a new work. So let me focus on Jesus Christ and be fully assured in Him and His work. I'm not going to finish this, this, this thing about the insurance because there's too much to talk about here because this is going to lead into the next part. He's pressing them onto maturity. But let me ask you, do you have assurance that you are saved? Do you have assurance that God said, that God said I will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you have assurance that His blood was good enough to save you? When God says, I will separate your sins from, as far as the east is from the west, I choose to remember your sins no more. When you bring up your sins to me, I'll be like, that's, I'm paraphrasing, what sin? I forgot about that. I've erased that from my memory. Now, I don't know about you. That's happy dance time, right? Because if you felt under the pressure and the weight of the condemnation of your past and of the, the struggles, even now that you have struggled, God says, I've forgiven your sins, past, present, and future. And you carry that weight. The happy dance says, wait. God says, you, you forgot? What's, that, that causes me to rejoice and say, wow, this salvation is even better than I realized. Way better than I realized. This is not man-made. Man wouldn't invent this kind of salvation, would they? No man would be like, no, you better work hard to earn my respect and my love. You have to, you have to earn your, your, your prodigal son return. If I were the father of the prodigal son's uh, story, Luke 15, it would have been, now you're in time out. You're, uh, you're grounded, right? You, you, you son of mine who come back. That's how the natural way, that's, and so we think that God thinks, no, no, no. God says like, that's my son. Let's wash him. Let's restore him. Not put him on probation for 20 years and then maybe he'll be my son again. No, it's like, restore him now. He's still my son. He never was, never stopped being my son. Now he's just my son who's full of, of dirt. Let's clean him up. Let's restore him. And that is the kind of love that God the Father has for you, not the human love. And so this is unnatural. This is supernatural kind of divine. It's good news, isn't it? I'm excited. I'm excited. Amen. God has not forgotten your work. He's not forgotten your love. He's not forgotten your service. And He's encouraging you to press on with diligence to the assurance that what He's done for you on the cross will not change. I want to stop here because uh, we have too much to go on. But let's just thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your encouragement, Lord. Thank you, Lord. First of all, we, we didn't deserve any of this, God, we don't deserve anything, Lord, but you, out of your, your very nature of being love, a God whose compassion and grace is out of your very nature that you choose to completely save us, Lord. And though maybe we don't see it in our lives as far as our progress, because we're still in sanctification, says, let it be, Lord, that we look to Christ and not to ourselves, not to our past, but but to Christ, Lord. And Father, thank you for the love that you have put within our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst, in our, in our, in our church, Lord. That you, you've poured out your love within us, Lord. Let it be, Lord, that we grow to maturity, both individually, but also as a church, Lord. For the love of Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus would be demonstrated that whoever you bring would, would sense that, Lord. And let everything we do, Lord, be for your glory. And we give you praise, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Why don't we stand up? I don't know about you, but how can you not be excited for the good news of the gospel and of, of oh, I just... <laughs> it's not the coffee. It's, it's, it's good news. It's good news. And, we, and though a lot, a lot of us have heard this, we, God wants to remind us. You know, he wants to remind us, you know. He says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He didn't say, Peter, you're, you're, off my, you're on my dark list now, you know. How could you? No. He's like, Peter, I'm restoring you, and you have work to do. And guess what? You're going to restore people who have fallen, who are struggling like you just did. And he's, I want you to strengthen them because you knew you experienced the grace and love in your life that you could do that through others. They're going to, you're going to understand what people kind of wander away, you know. You're going to understand that. That's why I allowed you to go through that so that you can encourage and be... Anyway, God's good. That's good. All right, all right. We got a memory, memory verse? What, Colossians? Wait, Galatians? Where are we in? Galatians? All right, memorize that. And then we have... Um, what do we have coming up this week? Students, ladies, and then worship night at the end. Let me pronounce a blessing on you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings, everyone. See you guys next time.